Rise and shine, mother cluckers. It's time for another episode. Hi, and happy Wednesday. My name is Steph. And I'm Lex. And we are Chasing Childhood, a weekly podcast where we revisit our favorite childhood movies and video games to see if they still hold up as adults. Yeah, um, it's Monday, guys. We usually record on Sundays, and it's Monday. I want to take a nap-a-doodle, okay? Yeah, we're, we're feeling a little sleepy today, feeling a little rough, but... We're excited to be here and talk about the episode. Yeah. And you know what? My goal today is to make this episode as dramatic as possible. So oh, geez. enjoy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are watching a film that came out before we did. Literally. <laughs> like two years before me and like three years before ten, you. So. At least ten before me. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um. <laughs> Mentally. <laughs> So today we're checking out Rockadoodle. Yes, we are. Yes. I'm so excited, literally. <laughs> I am so excited. Because um, this movie she had a lot of soda <laughs> before we started recording. I did. So. <laughs> and then the soda didn't do it, so I had cookies. <laughs> At one point, I was like, "Should I dip my cookies in soda?" And then I was like, "That's too far. Like that's, that's way too much. Too far. That's like that's a certain level, and I don't think you should ever be at that level." <laughs> literally my taste buds are going crazy so this movie is essentially just a narcissistic rooster having an identity crisis so let's get into it (laughs) i'm very excited so rockadoodle is a 1991 independent live action slash animated musical comedy film produced by sullivan bluth studios and goldcrest films it's loosely based on edmund roston's 1910 comedy play titled chanticleer Rockadoodle was directed by Don Bluth, who also did Anastasia and An American Tale, and written by David N. Weiss, who co-wrote the Jimmy Neutron movie and Shrek 2. Can we just... Whoa. Don Bluth, I need to talk to you. Because while I was looking into the movie and everything, we found out that he had a Dracula movie in the works that didn't get made. I'm not sure if we talked about this in the past, but you know what? I found out about it again, and I'm still angry. I'm just like... Don Bluth was the creator of our childhoods. Like, yeah, <laughs> he made One so of many movies that we were just obsessed with. And yes, yeah, I would have been thrilled for a Dracula movie. Like, bro, I'm so sad. A kid's animated Dracula movie. Come on. Come yeah. on. We live for the Hex Girls. OK, that is so our wheelhouse. Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm a little devastated <laughs> to be putting it mildly. I feel like I've I have a stake driven through my heart. But oh my god. <laughs> the sugar is fighting back. Moving on. <laughs> it's eating my brain. Rocket Doodle features the voice talents of Glenn Campbell from True Grit, Christopher Plummer, who we all know from The Sound of Music and Knives Out, Phil Harris from The Jungle Book and Aristocats, and I think he was Little John in Robin Hood, the animated one. Mm. Charles Nelson Riley from All Dogs Go to Heaven, Sorrel Brooke from the original Freaky Friday, Sandy Duncan from The Fox and the Hound and Swan Princess, Eddie Deason from Dexter's Lab and The Polar Express, and many more. Ooh, so the soundtrack for Rockadoodle was composed by Robert Folk, who also did A Troll in Central Park, and performed by the Irish Film Orchestra, with songs written and produced by T.J. Quenster, who also worked on A Troll in Central Park, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. 
So Rockadoodle was released in the United Kingdom on the 2nd of August, 1991, and in the United States and Canada on the 3rd of April, 1992. The film was a critical and commercial failure, grossing mm. only $11 million. Eleven dollars. It's like $11 hairs. That's it. <laughs> One person came and saw it. Listen, okay. Don Bluth created to be true from Anastasia. He did enough. He earned the, those $11. He, he didn't have to do anything else. No, $11 million worldwide, but it was against an $18 million production budget, Mm. so they essentially lost at least $7 million on this. Oh, okay. Yeah, the math was not math and sis. The math was not math and sis. Um, So the film was received so badly that it forced Bluth's studio into liquidation half a year after its release. Dang. Dang. Yeah. An outside company named Media Assets purchased Bluth's next three films, which were Thumbelina, A Troll in Central Park, and The Pebble and the Penguin. All of them flopped. Thumbelina was the only one that did slightly better than Rockadoodle, but Bluth made a comeback with 1997's Anastasia. Yeah! As he deserved. Love Anastasia. But I like Thumbelina. No, no, I like <laughs> so, Thumbelina, too. I'm like, first of all, it was ahead of its time and all of you are haters. Yes. <laughs> Literally. So if you've never seen this film or haven't seen it since the birth of Sonic the Hedgehog, here's <laughs> a plot summary written by an anonymous author on IMDb. In order to defeat the wicked Grand Duke of Owls, a young boy transformed into a cat teams up with a group of barnyard animals to find the rooster who can raise the sun. Yay! Yeah, I mean, that works. There's way more that happens, but you know that I like that. It's, it's you know, succinct. Yes. Like I said before, it's a narcissistic rooster having a midlife crisis. Okay. You're correct. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Anyways, so fun facts. Glenn Campbell, who did the voice of Chanticleer, was really good friends with Elvis Presley and would sometimes do Elvis imitations at his concerts. He stopped doing them once Elvis died, but decided to base his singing voice on Elvis for this film. Also, Pinky, the Fox character, Chanticleer's manager, is based on the late Elvis Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Oh, interesting. It's giving Elvis movie, okay? It's I was giving... going to say, is that the character that Tom Hanks played? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. I felt the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> they look very similar with Tom Hanks and all that makeup. Love it. So my first fun fact, actually, both of mine are about Don Bluth, and they're both a little long, but they're kind of fun. So story time. First one is that Don Bluth was super uncomfortable directing the scene where Edmund's family saves the cow from sinking in the mud. Mm-hmm. And the cow ended up being heavily sedated to make her kind of compliant during the shoot. But they basically needed to constantly reassure Don Bluth that she was safe. And when he went up to inspect her, her name is Abigail, mm-hmm. his time growing up on a farm as a kid helped him notice something that no one else had, which is that the cow was pregnant. Aww. And then he turns to the head grip and is like, what's your name? And the griff is, says, my name is Clifford. He says, the wee one inside Abigail, we will be naming Clifford. Make sure he stays alive. And then Aww. both Abigail and the calf survived because you don't want to kill a calf named after you <laughs> so, so cute so cute i like from what i've understood from all these uh fun facts that i found mm-hmm. i was like 
Don Bluth was such a caring person and yeah. clearly had a lot of anxiety, but like around <laughs> people and animal safety, which I think is really cute. <laughs> Honestly, same about everything. I love that. Also, I love that scene because it's so ridiculous. Like they're trying to save the cow and the little boy literally just flings open the, the window and he's like, and it's like imagine just trying to like reinforce the sandbags and like save animals and your kids just hanging out the window screaming for a fictional character i was literally just thinking if i was one of like his brothers i guess one of his siblings i'd be like shut up and like, <laughs> slam the window shut i'd be throwing mud like get back like, in there be quiet <laughs> oh my gosh but i love that i love that both abigail and Clifford survived. That's so cute. Yes, so cute. So our next fun fact is, so Patu's narration was one of the last things added to the film when test audiences reported finding several scenes confusing. I guess I can understand, like, the beginning part is kind of confusing. I mean, I guess. I just feel like once they get to the city, it's, like, all pretty clear what happens, you know? Right. Yeah, I guess some of it, because, like, they don't really, like, introduce a lot of the characters or, like give them any backstory outside of the narration and so I guess I could understand because I'd be like why is this owl attacking everybody and like why is anything happening and yeah and why does this sun rise at the command of a bird hmm right so I'm like I feel like I, I get why it was needed at the beginning but yeah, yeah. about like 10-15 minutes in I was like all right I got it right <laughs> All right. So my last fun fact is, again, Don Bluth. He's super anxious about the scene where the claw breaks through the bedroom window, like when Mm -hmm. the tree comes in, because it was really expensive and that shot could only be done once. So he was nervous about that. Then he was also nervous about the danger it posed to Toby Scott Ganger, Mm -hmm. who... The little play basically plays a little boy. Yeah. He was lying on a wheel bed platform that's supposed to just kind of be pulled away before the claw hits him. Right. And everyone on set from like practical effects people to even Toby's mom, like everyone was telling Bluth, we're super confident. He's not going to be in danger. It's going to work. But they began shooting. (laughs) One of the wheels on the platform jammed. And so the claw is coming down. And apparently Don Bluth like covered his eyes. And fortunately, Toby was pulled away just in time. And even though Don Bluth didn't see the shot because he was so afraid that like something terrible was about to happen, yeah. he was too upset and shaken to do the shot again or do Aww. any more shooting that day. So like he was super anxious about Toby's well-being. And I mean, it looked fine to me. All right. Yeah, it looked good. So this fact is not so fun. It's actually very sad. So Victor French was originally brought in to direct the live action segments of the movie. He directed most of the storm scenes in four days, then developed chronic back pains all of a sudden, which turned out to be stage four cancer. French had to leave the project, forcing Don Bluth to finish the live action scenes himself. And unfortunately, French passed three months later. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, but I'm glad that he was at least able to contribute, you know, like half of the live yeah. action scenes that's that's at least you know a nice legacy to leave yeah sorry to down the vibes guys no but. it's still like that's crazy that's very yeah. interesting yep so let's get into it let's do it Ooh. <laughs> when was the last time you saw this movie this is the first time i've ever seen this movie stop it right <laughs> now there's no way i watched this movie so much as a kid you haven't seen this before 
I have never seen this movie before. I have never viewed it. I have heard of it, but I have never watched it. Oh my gosh. So were you like sitting in the room with your eyes closed with me? Because like I've seen this so many times. I'm still in shock. I don't think I ever watched this with you. I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I ever watched this with you. But mm. if you watched it so much, then when was the last time that you watched it? I actually haven't seen this in a long time, but I really liked it as a kid. This was definitely one of those, um, I had the VHS of it, and I think it came with the Pebble and the Penguin. Um, it was like oh, a twofer yeah. kind of thing. I remember the Pebble and the Penguin. Yes. <laughs> and so I loved this movie. I probably haven't seen it in like five to ten years, maybe five or seven years, because we bought the DVD version of it back when DVDs were a cool thing. <laughs> and now I'm pretty sure it's just sitting in my garage. But yeah. <laughs> so how do we feel about having Elvis slash Chanticleer as an alarm clock? Not great, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's not the song for me. Give me a little actual Elvis. Yes. <laughs> it is jarring. Like it is wild. Sir, why the second the sun turns up, are you like, ragadoo? <laughs> it reminds me of like did you ever have your like ipod wake you up for school or have like an ipod alarm clock ever at any no. point because i distinctly remember when those were a thing or just even having like the radio wake you up yeah and i'm sorry it's a good thing that society has moved away from that yes. and now we all just have like regular alarm tones because there's nothing more jarring than waking up to a song. Yes. It's just there's nothing. Like I'm sorry, I'm already not a morning person at all, but I have been woken by a rooster before in Barbados and oh, yeah. I was heavily <laughs> annoyed. And literally like in my room now, I have to have a fan on. I have to have like a white noise machine on. I don't want to hear what's going on outside. I'm sorry. I don't care. Yeah. The second a bird outside my window starts chirping, I'm like, that's enough. My day's ruined. <laughs> I'm never like my day's ruined, but I do get annoyed. And like when it first started getting warm in Maryland, Tyler and I were leaving our windows open at night. And like we lived in L.A. So like yeah. when we had our windows open, we didn't hear anything except our neighbors and we forgot that, like, if you leave your windows open in Maryland in, like, a warm spring day, yes. that you're going to hear birds. Yes. And we both woke up at, like, 5.30 or 6 a.m. And we were like, what on earth? <laughs> it's just all these birds making noise outside our window. Yes. And we were like, oh, okay. And then we slammed it shut. And I was like, no, I don't like... I don't like a discernible pattern of noise, if that makes sense. Ugh. Like, I don't like... Like, clocks and stuff? Like, I don't mind my alarm tone that yeah. I have on my phone. I don't use the traditional like one that sounds like it's trying to murder you, but I use like a gentle wake me up too. sound that's like da 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 and I'm like I can wake up to that. Da, da, that da. works for me. <laughs> I can yeah, it's just like a gentle like Is it Kylie sound. Jenner? Rise and shine. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, I no. call you every morning. Yeah, I just listen to Lex. I have her ring me every morning. <laughs> no, it's just I can't do like I don't know. Maybe it's because I woke up so much like in the mornings as a kid, like hearing my parents radio or like hearing my own radio in my yeah. room wake me up. But I just don't like to be woken up by like a song right. or like a jarring noise. Like 
Because they never wakes you up at the beginning of a song, right? It's always like midway through the chorus when the drums are going off and the guitars, yes. you know, doing its thing. It's like I don't like that. Like I need Phil a gentle Collins. Wake up. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, literally. <laughs> I, can I can feel, feel it. it. Like, oh my god. <laughs> you know what I feel like going back to bed. <laughs> if Chanticleer was singing that outside my window super early in the morning, I might forgive him. Okay. <laughs> just saying that song is a classic no I can't do it I can't do a song I can't do a loud intrusive noise like that it has yeah. to be gentle or else I'm gonna get pissed I don't get no sleep because of y'all y'all never get no sleep because <laughs> of me that's literally <laughs> what the birds outside my window do literally <laughs> so wait then I have to I have to ask you yeah is this a bird that you like do you do you like rockadoodle do you like listen Chanticleer <laughs> Let's just say <laughs> my man's is crazy for thinking that the sun comes up because of him. First of all, first, second of all, of all I am heavily team Duke on this one. I would be so happy when Chanticleer was gone. Ooh. I would be, I would be living. I really did relate to Duke and his boys, like their whole vibe of we only want yes. silence and the night. And I was like, you know, I get it. Literally. <laughs> I get it. I Literally. get not wanting to go outside and not having the sunlight. Yes. People are always telling me to wear SPF. And I do. I, I really do. But I also spend so much of my time being a homebody indoors that I'm like, am I going to really get exposed to anything here, guys? Like, I don't go outside. <laughs> Steph's like, who needs SPF when I got these four walls blocking everything? Literally. I mean, it's I still beautiful. wear it because, you know, I don't want to age like an old suitcase. But yes. I, I'm always just like, you know, I get it. I like being indoors. I like... <laughs> hiding away from the sunlight yes exactly it also kind of reminded me of spending the night at your house when we were little and you had like all the farm animals outside oh yeah literally my favorite were the goats they're so cute they were so cute they were so much but also so cute (laughs) yes Uh, I wouldn't say I disliked Chanticleer the whole just waking up to the sound of his voice was a lot for me I just I felt like I didn't connect with him as a character at all yeah I feel like we just see him sing at the beginning and then they all make fun of him and he goes away and then there isn't any other point where you're like endeared to him you know like all the other characters yeah we get to see their different you know mannerisms and quirks and personalities and you kind of bond to them a little bit more in a way yeah a little yeah just a little and I feel like with him we don't really get to do that at all like we see him singing they kind of talk about him as like this mythical person who was legendary on the farm and now he's gone you see him again in the city we just sort of see him like parade around on stage and then he starts dating the pheasant girl and then yeah like he gets like knocked unconscious (laughs) like yeah we only really get to see like two points I think maybe where he has any type of depth to him and otherwise I'm just like I don't I don't feel really anything for this bird yeah (laughs) at all he gets knocked out by a frying pan who knew yeah I mean Rapunzel knew but (laughs) yes yeah I mean I get that completely I also I loved the Duke. I thought that the villains in this movie were a lot of fun to watch. I really liked the twist that Murray was working for the Duke. Yeah, that was really cool. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I also love that the Duke was giving like Davy Jones vibes, just being extra, like making (laughs) pies in his lair and like 
playing the organ. It was so good. Honestly, I still can't figure out what he did wrong here because he yeah. he didn't do crap. It literally was Rockadoodle. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to keep calling him that. But Chanticleer, it was literally just him yeah. like throwing a fit because he wasn't the person to wake up the sun. And he's like, dang. And then he just like leaves. And the dude's like, Hello, great. Darkness, now I can, I can bake in peace <laughs> and I can play my organ in peace yes. and like mind my business. And then everybody's yes. trying to give him crap. And he's like, don't bring this dude back. He made everything so loud all the time. Like, just let me yes. do my stuff. And yes, did he maybe try to eat some people? Sure. But he's an owl and he's at the top of the food chain. And that's your own fault right. for not being there. So <laughs> for sure. It's your fault for being at the bottom. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be super dramatic and say, if the sun doesn't rise, the sun must rise within you. Okay. Ooh, Chanticleer, I like that. You must, you must be the sun that Ooh. you wish to look at. Oh, it's giving the uh, Master Uguay. Like it's giving a little Master Uguay for me, you know? <laughs> Taking it back to our Kung Fu Panda episode. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up too about past episodes because I literally I was going to tell you before we recorded but I forgot um, <laughs> after our last episode if you guys haven't listened to it go listen to it we reviewed Freaky Friday I woke up at like 3 a.m. like in it from a deep sleep just like sweating like Kronk and Emperor's new groove when he's <laughs> like it's the it's the the peasant the peasant that had Cusco like <laughs> literally and I was literally like but if the women at the Chinese restaurant didn't want to switch to happen, like, why would they keep making the fortune cookies? Like, I just <laughs> woke up from, like, the deepest sleep. and was, You, like, like, like the, the Charlie Kelly thing in your room with, like, the red string and you're, like, <laughs> on the whiteboard, like, and here's how they stay in business. <laughs> exactly. This is all a, a plot. I love a that. Plot to get more business. So, yeah. But back to this movie. Not only was the Duke super extra and, like, just wanted his peace and quiet. Honestly, love that for him. He also was taunting them. And that was probably one of my favorite parts. When they're, like, when him and his owl, his little owl buddies show up to the house and they're, like, twiddly-dee, you're running out of batteries. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just found them so funny. I couldn't even I think of them it. as villains. I was just like, they're right. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, ha, 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 ha. No batteries. Just like- <laughs> I also loved when, like, he got, when he got, like, basically, like, had the flashlight sh- shown on him by Edmund when he yeah. turned into a cat and then, you know. Edmund shown the flashlight on him and he got all upset and like the first thing that he does is go back to his lair and like play a long lamenting song about it on his organ and all his friends are around him like yeah dude that was really messed up yes like I said before he's like hello darkness my old friend he's so funny <laughs> so good he was so good but what is darkness if not solitude. I also <laughs> did not recognize Christopher Plummer's voice and that that was him. Yes. So that was a really nice surprise when I looked at the credits. He did so well. I loved it. So good. But yeah, Maya actually pointed out a mistake in this movie, Ooh. which took me by surprise. Oh, she's getting to that age where she can now start pointing out yeah. flaws. <laughs> and she pointed it out and I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? So during one part, so basically like Steph said before, Chanticleer leaves the farm because he got bullied and then he found out that the sun didn't rise because of him and he was like oh I'm out bye and so he left then he went to the city he becomes the king Murray 
basically makes him fall in love with Goldie, who's like a Jessica Rabbit wannabe. Then they fall in love. The animals from the farm come and save the king. And they're like trying to get him back to come back to the farm because he needs the sun to shine. So, yeah. Oh, so I, I just remembered. So Goldie, at one point, they're running from Murray and Goldie and them climb up a water tower. Mm -hmm. And Goldie loses her shoes. Yes. Then they end up on a helicopter. They make their way back to the farm. And when they're getting out from the helicopter, Goldie has her shoes on again. And Maya goes, where did she get her shoes from? How did she get her shoes so quick? And I was like, oh, what are you talking about? And then we we rewound it. And she was right. I was like, what the heck? Look at her. She's a professional. I love that because I love watching like TV shows or movies and I love spotting when people have done multiple takes because you can see that their hair, like especially for women with long hair, yeah. their hair is like draped over one shoulder and then it flashes back and the hair is not there anymore and you can yeah. tell that this these were like two different takes that were chopped together. I love seeing stuff like that. I will say too, like I loved, I love when movies have animation and like what is it 3d i guess it's considered like live action elements to them like i love the mixture of the two i thought it was so cute how the owl comes in and like first of all bad breath why is he breathing everywhere (laughs) and then his like breath turns everything into a cartoon and i thought that was so cool yeah i thought that was really cool apparently they decided to do it where he has different colored shapes and stuff that come out because they thought that kids were going to be afraid if it was all one color and I was like that's Mm. an interesting thing that I guess I don't think of psychologically that kids would be afraid if it like was all green or something because I think of like Anastasia and how Rasputin yeah literally all of his little bats and stuff are all all green so and I was like you know what thinking back yeah that was really scary and that definitely (laughs) upped the scariness level of them (laughs) Steph's like you know what I lost sleep many a night because of Rasputin now that I think about it Um, (laughs) but I do agree with you I like those uh I liked when it's real life person mixed with cartoon it reminds me very much of Who Framed Roger Rabbit which I really loved watching as a kid yeah and I called Goldie a Jessica Rabbit wannabe because apparently she was actually inspired by Jessica Rabbit you can tell Yeah, they tried to make her look like Jessica Rabbit. And then the animators were like, maybe not so much cleavage on a bird. So then they like put all the fur, like the fur collar on her neck and everything. And I was like, or not the fur collar, I guess it's feathers. But I was like, she's so cute. I loved her little attitude and her hair. She was really cute. I was not sure what to expect with her character. Though it did get a little annoying just how damsel in distress she was. Yeah. I was like... Can we please have this girl have like a little bit of agency and like a little bit of something like everything is making her fall down and go like, save me, help me. Yeah. And I'm like, please, please. (laughs) I do like that. She was the one that like slapped the little bird, though. I did enjoy that. That was great. Actually, we needed more of that. nephew. Yeah. We needed needed more of that. We needed a lot of the movie with that. (laughs) He was very funny. I found him to be like so such an interesting character because like the duke knew how incompetent he was Mm -hmm. but i feel like he just enjoyed the drama of it all like the duke seems like someone that just revels in things so he like i feel like he was like i'm bored 
let me let me get a laugh for the day. Let me send my nephew out and see if he can do this. I thought that he was so funny and I loved that he made his own theme music while he was flying. Again, it was giving cronk. <laughs> yes. Hum your own song. <laughs> so good. Yeah. How did you feel about the farm characters? The woodpecker. I immediately recognized as the annoying kid from yes. the Polar Express and immediately hated yes. him. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I know that that's just his voice and just how he sounds, but I yes. I could not. I loved the little mouse. I thought she was so cute and so cool. Yeah. And what's his name? What's the dog's name? Patu. Patu. His voice literally is the voice of so many of my favorite childhood characters. Like, he started talking and I was like, oh, hello, Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> yes. Patu was so cute. He reminded me of Whiskey, my old little basset yeah. hound. I love that he couldn't tie his shoes. Yes. <laughs> so cute. Um, Peepers is the name of the mouse. And she she was cute, but she was kind of annoying at the same time because she was like, do this death defying stunt now? No? Okay, scaredy cat. You know what I mean? Like, if she, if he messes up, you're gonna die. She, listen, she's not a carrot and a stick kind of girl. She's all stick. She's just <laughs> gonna beat you down because we're in a death defying situation right now, and you like need to get it together. We're all gonna die. Like <laughs> she was not here to play. She's the definition of tough love. <laughs> but what is tough love if not an illusion? <laughs> I just loved it. I just couldn't stand the woodpecker guy. I was like, enough of oh. you. I'm tired of you. Yeah. Steph's like, I have enough trauma from you from the Polar Express. <laughs> I did relate to when he was hugging the lasagna to his chest. Yes! I was like, I feel that so <laughs> deeply in my soul. No, literally my my favorite part of his was when they're on the the top of the um the top of the building and they're literally looking at Goldie and Chanticleer like have a moment and they're all like let's go get him and he's like let's just go get some lasagna (laughs) same (laughs) I feel it I loved it so much I also didn't understand how peepers got in the car accident and then all of a sudden it was like an Alice in Wonderland vibe all of a sudden yeah and then two seconds later she hijacked a helicopter like I was like Okay, but how did she do that so quickly? You know what I mean? Because she's a super spy. Because they turned around like immediately. Yeah. And went back and got her. Well, you didn't know this, but she was actually recruited by the CIA at a very young age. (laughs) She's a special (laughs) operative. And this was a rescue mission. (laughs) I'm not allowed to know this. All of a sudden, it's like it's not birds outside my window. It's like a spy with like a... Like a little blow dart. (laughs) You just hear silence from my head. There's like a red dot on your forehead. (laughs) No, I mean, it's very clear. That's why she has such tough love. She was probably a Marine, (laughs) if anything. True. (laughs) Now that I think about it, uh, you may be right. So I also thought that it was kind of dumb. Like the one thing that bothered me about the Duke, and I'm going to watch my mouth because I know we all love him, but the one thing that kind of seemed off about him was like why couldn't he just kill Chanticleer you know what I mean like because it's a kids movie <laughs> like my thing is like he basically used the force on Edmund at one point like he does a he Padme really did. he Anakin, Anakin force moment. choked him yes he did <laughs> and then like Edmund literally passes out like full Padme vibes yeah because Anakin also killed children <laughs> like he just he got- literally Oh, 
stick to the trope. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, if he could do that, why couldn't he have like killed Chanticleer? You know what I mean? Like Chanticleer was the was the line in the sand that you guys didn't want to cross, but you let him choke Edmund. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know because he did try to drown Chanticleer. So I was like, you could have done this before. Also, where did that other rooster go to? Like, where did he go? He was like a henchman yeah. for like 10 seconds and then he <laughs> left. And I was like, listen, he got his butt handed to him and he was like, I'm actually retired now. <laughs> listen, he was like Deadpool. He was like, you know what? I'm a mercenary. I'm only here for like yeah. I'm a hitman. Just, just hired for one job at a time. I thought he was um, trying to kill him. Like, I really did. I thought that was the whole point. I thought that he was there as like an assassin to kill him. And then he gets his butt beat and then he's like... Oh, all I did was distract him from crowing when the sun comes up. And I was like, well, that's lame. <laughs> you should have drowned him in the trough. That's where I thought this was going. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff's like, there's some perfectly good stones over there to shove down his throat. And you know what? Move the- aside. Let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> stuff's like, I said no music in the morning. Damn it. <laughs> like- <laughs> I've got enough rage. <laughs> yes. I also thought that like that part, I thought that his whole goal was to distract Chanticleer like long enough that he wouldn't crow. And I was like, oh, he did a great job. And also Chanticleer <laughs> was like lazy in a way. Cause like if I saw the sun coming up and I wasn't crowing and I saw people like joining in behind me, I'd be like, ha ha. Yeah. I mean? Like, like <laughs> you got to fake it. So quickly. It's like when you like go to school and you forgot to do your homework and then you have to like yes. do it real quick in the first like 10 minutes before you know you go to class like yeah you gotta fake it bro <laughs> you gotta fake it till you make it bro. make it up <laughs> but what is faking it if not living your true self oh my god what oh my is god. with you you are master Uguay tonight like <laughs> i think the whole like fortune cookies thing got to me <laughs> you're gonna start writing your own fortune cookies <laughs> I'm going to start writing very serious poetry about Rockadoodle. <laughs> Inspired by characters from Rockadoodle. And your lucky numbers are <laughs> bottom of the of the poem. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that the runtime was perfect for this movie. It's literally only an hour and 14 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked yeah I was like in the middle of watching it and I just kind of hovered my mouse you know like over my screen because I was yeah. like how much time do I have left just curious and it was yeah. like you are like most of the way through and I was like yeah what do you mean <laughs> like I felt very Tyler like what do you mean what do you mean <laughs> most of the way through and then Tyler came and watched like one of the end scenes and then he came back a few minutes later and he goes oh I was gonna finish the movie with you and I was like buddy that was it it's done <laughs> it's over <laughs> Could you imagine if it was like B-movie and it's like, no, you're missing the court scene. (laughs) The fact that the whole time we watched B-movie, every like 20 minutes, Tyler was like, surely this is the end. And I was like, it is not. But I love your enthusiasm. (laughs) This is the opposite of that. Yeah, this one, it was done before I realized we were even getting close to the end. It was very quick. But what is the end if not a new beginning? Oh my God. Anyways. (laughs) You need to be restrained. (laughs) I thought that if this movie was any longer, I think it probably would have lost me. Yeah. Um, I really loved, I thought that it was paced really well. Um, I thought that they really did a good job of like not staying too long on certain scenes and yeah. um, 
because especially like the scenes with Goldie and, and the king, I was like, these can get boring super quick to little kids. Like when they're yeah. singing to each yeah. other. Especially when the plot's too complicated. Yeah. But yeah, the one thing that I was also confused about was the proportions of the movie. Like, why was the pig so much smaller than the owls? And even like when the owls were on top of the house, they were like almost as big as the house. It was weird. The proportions also changed throughout the movie. Like yeah. there were parts where uh, Chanticleer's new manager guy, the fox, was yeah. around the same size as Chanticleer. And then right. he was suddenly so much bigger. And then there's a whole scene where he's confronting Chanticleer and Goldie, and he's like way bigger than both of them. And I'm yeah. like, the the proportions are fluctuating throughout this movie, yes. and I cannot tell how large or small anyone is supposed to be. <laughs> Literally, because magic. It was it was very inconsistent. Like even in the beginning, when like you said the claw scene, when the claw breaks the window. Edmund was like normal sized and then when the owl comes in all of a sudden he's like tiny in his yeah. room that he was just normal sized in. Yeah it doesn't make know. a lot of sense but I did like how they did that scene and show the transition from yeah. real world to cartoon world. I really liked how they did that. Right. So do you think that this movie deserves the hate that it got? I don't know if it deserves hate. Again, I personally don't have a nostalgic tie to this. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing and I didn't look away or do anything else. Like, I had a good time watching it. Yeah. But I don't have a nostalgic tie to it. And there's definitely parts of it that I'm just like, okay, like, whatever about. I don't know. Yeah. If we were to rate this, like, the way that we rated Pixar movies, this is a Mm -hmm. lukewarm to me. (gasps) But it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was just like kind of over all the singing and the different little musical numbers. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm good. What? Yeah. They didn't do it for me. The kiss and coo one. I was like, I really oh. could have done without like literally all of this. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I loved all the villain songs. They were my favorite. Oh, I love the villain yes. song. <laughs> so good. I can't even remember how the one went when they were in his cave. And I am so upset at myself for not even remembering it but I love when he's like to make sure that rooster never crows I just love him so much I definitely don't think that this deserves the hate that it gets I think that it's really cute for a kids movie Um, like I said it's the perfect time like I feel like kids can watch this and not really lose interest because everything happens so quickly yeah, kids' movies need to be an hour and a half or less. Yeah. Like, they just, they cannot be any longer than that. You're going to lose them. Even an hour and a half is stretching it. Like, yeah. it needs to be short. Yeah. I mean, I thought the animation was adorable. I thought the characters were drawn really cute. I don't, I don't know. I thought that this was good, but I also do have a nostalgic tie to it because I loved it so much as a kid. But yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it flopped so hard, you know? And I then, don't either because. The last unicorn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Don Bluth's IMDb right now, just kind of Mm -hmm. looking through and he has such credentials behind him. So it's not even like he's a bad director or anything. I, like I said, I don't think this deserves hate at all. It definitely wasn't the most exciting Don Bluth movie I've ever watched, but I didn't think it was bad by any stretch, but he did The Secret of Nim, (gasps) An American Tale, Land Before Time, 
uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Rockadoodle, Thumbelina, Troll in Central Park, Pebble and the Penguin, Anastasia. Yeah, he's done so, and that's just as a director. That's not even just yeah. him as an animator, because he also animated Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, oh The Sword in the Stone, and The Aristocats. He has been in so much Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, Xanadu, uh, The Fox and the Hound. The Black Cauldron, The Great Mouse Detective, The Brave Little Toaster. He has done so much stuff yeah. that I'm like, you know what? I don't think it was a bad movie because I don't know that he's necessarily capable of making bad movies. So. Ooh. <laughs> Though, I mean, I did not like the troll in Central Park. I was Park, about to say. <laughs> but that's a flop and that's not on him. Yes. It was a rough time. He just got acquired by a different studio. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a transition period. He was doing his yeah. best. And he gave us Dimitri from Anastasia. Forgive him already. We're all allowed to have a flop era. (laughs) Yes. He's done enough. He's given us enough. Enough bangers (laughs) that he gets a couple duds. All right. Once upon a December. Just Google it. It's worth it. Anything that he created before or after doesn't (laughs) matter. Anyways, um, is there anything else you would have changed about this movie? No. I don't think so. This movie, like I said, it's cute. It's not, I don't have a nostalgic tie to it, but I did watch the whole thing. I like that it's short. It's kind of adorable. Yeah. We'll get into, you know, full ratings, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I changed. Again, Kiss and Kook probably could have been done. Like I would have been, I would have been perfectly fine with like a little montage right there of them like bonding and laughing and whatever. Yeah. Instead of like a whole musical number. So. Sharing hair gel, everything. Yes. (laughs) I would actually love that. (laughs) I I feel like this movie, in my opinion, is really good as a kid's movie. I feel like if I was selfishly yeah. going to look at it from an adult lens, which is obviously the point of our podcast, but <laughs> I, I think that it's good the way that it is. But me personally, I would have liked to have seen more of Chanticleer's backstory in a way. Yep, like, like, how the hell did he even start thinking that the sun rose because of him? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you cannot tell me that there weren't rainy days. Like... Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. We need like a backstory of like, because he said, my dad taught me how to sing. So I would love a little. No, he said, my daddy taught me how to sing. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I'm like, I would love a little history of like his dad telling him, like, you're the reason this happened. You know, like something like that. Because if honestly we had more backstory and then had a couple scenes of him being like, dad, I'm failing you or like whatever, you know, if we had a little bit of that, I probably could have related to him more and liked him more. Yeah. But without those, I feel like I didn't have like a connection to him. So, yeah, I agree. That would have been nice. It would have made him a more, I guess an easier character to bond with as an audience member. Yeah. He just needed to be more relatable. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little rooster with the big dreams. (laughs) I just, I wanted to see more. And like you said, with the daddy taught me how to sing thing. We should have seen his dad at some point in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I agree. Also like what you said about Goldie, I would have liked to have seen her stand up for herself a little bit more and be a little bit more of a badass. I thought that that would have been cool. And then also we don't really have any kind of justice for Murray. I kind of wish that we had seen him like maybe try to do the same thing to someone else or like try to go to a farm in the end and like find his next great talent. You know what I mean? And then just like, completely bomb or something you know 
Yeah, or just even have, like, an ending thing, because, you know, they're all dancing and stuff, to even just have it flash over and just have him, like, crying in, like, a studio that's foreclosed or something. No, or have him trying to wear the king's outfits performing on stage as him. Something like that, just a little closure. Yes, because we do kind of get it with the Duke, where he, like, all of a sudden is made miniature, and then his nephew just chases him with a fly swatter. I love that. He's like, it's Uncle Dookie. Um, (laughs) So cute. But yeah, other than that, I don't think that there's anything else that I would have changed about this movie. Sweet. Well, you want to get into our critic ratings? Yes. All right. Rockadoodle received a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, an insanely bad 20% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a 55% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, but 4 out of 5 stars on Common Sense Media. Interesting. We have some conflicting... Um, opinions. Interesting spread. Yes, like a charcuterie board. So <laughs> we can rate Rockadoodle on a scale from A plus to F minus. Honestly, you guys, what even is an F minus if not an illusion of failure? I'm I'm done. A learning opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I said my goal is to be dramatic. My goal is actually to make Steph so annoyed with me. I'm gonna hang up. Yes. <laughs> So we can rate Rockadoodle on a scale from A plus to F minus. A plus meaning this film is criminally underrated. The songs are so catchy and rewatching this made me feel like a kid again. F minus meaning the critics were right about this movie. It's horrible. I don't blame the sun for leaving. And the only time it made me smile was when this movie ended. Based on this rating scale, how would you rate Rockadoodle? Honestly, probably like a B minus. <gasps> Ooh, I'm surprised. Yeah, I I was waffling between a B minus and a C plus, but I don't think it deserves a C plus. Like I said, it's kind of cute. I enjoyed it. Like I said, mm-hmm. I didn't get bored or look away. I think it's got a great runtime. I think yeah. the animation is really fun. I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's a B minus for me. I would watch it again, but probably not for a long time. But I yeah. totally can see why kids would love this movie. And I think kids should watch it. Yeah. I completely agree. I think I'm going to give this a B plus, though, because I probably will rewatch it sometime in the near future. But it is just not something that I turn to. It's not like one of the first movies I would turn to. Honestly, I didn't really think about it that much until we like made the podcast and we were like, what movies from our childhood? And then I Googled and I was like, oh, I forgot about this one. But I remember loving it so much. But like you said, it is cute. I love the story. I thought that it was kind of a fun take on like, obviously, nature. Mm-hmm nature yeah so fun um love nature love hikes Mm, so outdoorsy (laughs) one of us is (laughs) literally the closest I get to being outdoors is like my background at work when it's like going through a slideshow of like outside places outside places I honestly talk so much trash about never leaving my house but I'm like huge into hiking and camping (laughs) oh my gosh I'm the opposite I'm like I don't want to leave my house but I leave every day so yeah I'm going to give this a B plus. I thought it was a lot of fun. Nice. All right. Well, if you guys don't already, make sure to give us a follow on social media. We can be found on Instagram and TikTok at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. Yes. Go follow us. Go follow and we'll see you guys next week. For the love of all that is good in this world, please go follow us. Tell your friends. (laughs) Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Tell them all. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.